0: Welcome to the Revolutionary CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Letitia Lynch, wine lover, brand snob, proud boy mom, and Atlanta-based entrepreneur. When I was laid off from my dream marketing job at eight weeks pregnant, I knew I couldn't rely on corporations to provide me with a stable income. I launched my own business and hit six figures in my first full year. I want to help other female service-based entrepreneurs and coaches build and leverage their brand authority so they can confidently sell their services and programs at a premium price point to create a lasting legacy and generate independent wealth. Tune in every Wednesday for solo episodes and conversations with amazing self-made multi-six and seven-figure women all about marketing, sales, mindset, self-care, entrepreneurship, and motherhood to inspire you and give you actionable steps to successfully market and sell your high-ticket services and programs while having a life. Let's get into it. I have never considered myself an expert at sales. I feel like I've always been an expert at marketing and conveying value and expressing and connecting with people. But I've never felt like I am the kind of person who is just particularly great at sales. So it's always been very important for my business for me to have my brand in order, because how would you feel? Like, what would you feel if your your sale could be 90% of the way done before you even hopped on a sales call or into a sales conversation via DM? Would that make you happy? Would you do whatever it takes in your business to have 90% of the work done before you've even said the price? Because for me, the answer was yes. You know, those entrepreneurs who are really excited about how they've made hundreds and thousands of dollars are right. Like, I don't think you need, you know, a website A website doesn't really equal branding. And I think a lot of times what they're saying is, you know, you don't need a website and that's true, but you do need branding. And I want to make sure that there is a distinction between, you know, having a logo or having a website and how that is not just enough to equal branding. And when people tell you, you don't need a website to sell, I make a million dollars without even having a website. They're probably right, but they do probably have a very solid brand or they're experts at sales. So let's kind of talk about, what it means, right? <laughs> when they tell you not to waste your money on branding, what they're really saying is don't spend a ton of money on your brand identity pieces. That's one thing I think I want to make clear. Because they're not branding experts, they don't know what they're saying. They're like, don't have a website. But what they really mean is don't waste a lot of money on just branding identity pieces. And I can I, I wholeheartedly agree. So I want to talk about in the beginning of starting to sell high ticket, what it takes takes to really have a brand that's considered premium? What would make it easier to charge premium pricing? So let's dive right into that. First of all, when it comes to branding, branding, which is not to be confused with brand identity elements like your website and your logo and your colors and your fonts, those are brand identity elements. But they are all of the things that you're doing to shape the perception of your brand. These are the actions that you're taking to shape the perception. So think about things like your marketing. I have a podcast, right? I have Instagram. I'm on Instagram. I'm talking to people. I send emails. I have a Facebook group. Those are my branding practices that really help shape the perception of my brand. It's how people interact. It's how they learn to understand what it is that that I do. Those are branding practices. So when we're talking today about branding, I want you to not focus on just the logo or just the fonts or any of those things. I want you to really truly understand what I mean. And that is your intentional actions that you're taking to shape the perception of what people think about your business and your brand. And one thing I want you to understand as a business owner, if you're trying to sell things at a premium price point or even just a high ticket price point of $1,500 you want to make sure that you're controlling the narrative of your brand so that they're... So I want to give you today five things that your brand needs to have in order for you to really successfully charge high ticket prices of $1,500 or more per person or per month without being an expert at sales. So the first thing that I want to point out is... One of the five elements is your unique value proposition. So for those of you who don't know what that is, it's the intersection of what you have to offer that you do best what your competitors, which means the people in your industry, what they do best, and what your ideal customer actually needs from you all to solve their problem. In the middle, there has to always be something that makes you unique because of your background, your your experience, your specialty, your personal experiences, your education, and even your unique cultural ad, something that I learned from Danielle Leslie. So some things that would make your unique value proposition the composition of it would be things like your different perspective, your unique approach to how you solve problems, something that's rare, something that's innovative, something that is limited and something that is like handcrafted. These are all descriptive words and adjectives that I would use to describe, you know, what makes a unique value proposition. So I like to give a lot of examples. You'll start to figure out as you join me on this podcast journey. And if you follow me on Instagram, I love to give good metaphors and I love to give a lot of examples. So the former CEO of Hermes, Jean-Louis Dumas, he said he thinks that Hermes, their objects are desirable because they really reconnect people to their humanity. He feels like their customer feels the presence of the person who actually crafted the object, while at the same time, the object brings them back to their own sensitivity, which gives them pleasure through all of the senses. Even just hearing me say that, that sounds so unique, right? It's such a unique experience that I think is often disconnected from clothing and material things that we purchase. We forget that there's actually a human being because a lot of times there's there's factories and there's mass production, you know, fast fashion. So when you think about your own business, I don't want to be the fast fashion of, you know, the coaching industry. I want my experience that my clients are going through with me to be extremely unique and precious, something that is limited and not everyone is experiencing. And you want to think the same way about your own business. So, having a unique value proposition, one that you can stand behind and say, I know there are dozens of other people who do exactly what it is that I do, but I have a unique approach. I don't share the same perspective as everyone else in my industry, and here's why my perspective is different based on my own experiences, based on my education, some research that I've done. So learn to be able to articulate what makes you and your approach unique. So the second thing that you need to have as a business in order to make it easier for you to charge premium pricing is to have good design. So graphic design is obviously subjective to the person that's looking, but when it comes to an upscale or high-end premium design, there are a few major characteristics that must be present. So first of all, minimalism. Less is definitely more. I think a lot of times we think that in order to stand out, we have to be doing the absolute most. And you really don't. You can be minimalist. You don't have to do all of the things, have the craziest colors or do you know do all this extravagant stuff to actually stand out. In fact, you stand out more as a professional business when you utilize minimalism, doing the absolute least and standing out the most. The second thing when it comes to your design is the typeface. It needs to be legible. It needs to be clean. It needs to be easy to read. And when I say typeface, I mean, you know, your font. You want your font to really stand out and you want it to be, you want it to be sort of unique and clean. However, you want it to be extremely legible. So, so often, I I don't know about you, but if you see, I'm so tired of seeing those script fonts where you can barely read whatever it is that they're trying to say. You have to squint and zoom in to the highest resolution possible to even read what someone is typing out. And it's just kind of annoying. And I know that, again, it feels like I'm being unique and standing out if I find the most crazy font out there. But when you look at luxury brands, they're not utilizing crazy fonts. They're using something that stands the test of time. And when you do those crazy, the crazier the fonts, the the least amount of time it's going to survive. (laughs) And then lastly, the third part of design that Really helps your brand to stand out as something that's high end or premium are just the subtle details, whether it's textures or certain lines that you use, the borders that you use in your graphics, any subtle unique elements that will help your business really truly stand out. It's something that's nice to have because when it comes to your design for your business, I'm not saying you have to, you know, spend hundreds and tens of thousands of dollars on your designer. But what you do want to do is stand out and be unique. You want so that when someone sees your graphic, when they see a post up, they know, oh, that's her brand. Those colors stand out. Oh, that font, she always uses the same font. You want those things to stand out enough. When it comes to your design, let's talk about the the, the website comment that I made earlier. You don't need to have the most fancy website with millions of bells and whistles. The simplest things can actually make or break your design aesthetic when it comes to your business. So. If I could recommend only three things to invest in when it comes to the design of your brand, I would recommend you prioritize first your brand photos. Yes, I said brand photos. Before I said anything else, before the website, before anything else, your brand photos you cannot just be taking your own photos. So, this is a priority. If I were to invest in something for my brand, if I could go back and think about what made the biggest change in my business and how proud I was to show it off, it wasn't the website. Everybody's not even going to my website. They're clicking on something that I send them directly from Instagram. They're having DM conversations with me, right? They're networking with me at events when we used to be able to do those. You remember those? But what I do show off the most are my brand photos and the comments that I get the most are always about my photos, how much they look powerful, how much it's aligned with my business and my brand. I'm so proud to share it and show it off. It shows up very nicely on my Instagram feed. So I would invest there first. The second thing is a cohesive brand strategy. Yes, you want to invest in having the fonts, the colors, the logos. Now, granted, you could find these things on your own, but you could do better by just paying a professional to harmoniously align these elements with your ideal target audience and your individuality and your personality. It's just easier to pay a professional to do that. And then the third thing and the final thing I'll tell you to invest if you in in this order for when it comes to your brand design is a professional landing page. No, you do not need a full blown website to thrive. It's actually a good to figure out what you want to do in your business first before you start investing and in having the full website done. I feel like your website rebrand should be done when you have actually figured out what your signature services are. But before you figure that out, you definitely need a landing page. And you could just have some web pages with your domain link to it and actually look like a professional business owner. So I love using lead pages right now because I am in the middle of a rebrand for my own website, but my business has to continue moving even though I am too busy to make my website, right? So I use lead pages to have all of my landing pages. I connected all of my domains for all of my products to it. So each page lives on its own, you know on its own domain and it is very professional. Okay, so I've given you the first two things that every brand needs to have in order to make it easier for them to charge premium pricing when it comes to having premium branding. So the third thing is service. Service is actually going to be one of the most important things. You have to actually have skills executing the service that you're being contracted to do. Like that's obvious. This requires, you know, education, training and experience. But what you don't want to forget is that the lead and client experience is also like the biggest part of the service. Remember, people aren't necessarily just buying what you do. They're buying you. They're buying into you, who you are, your personality. And when it comes to premium services, a lot of times people are just paying for the luxury of being treated to a red carpet experience. And you have to remember, especially if you want to sell something, sell your services, you know, at high ticket pricing of $1,500 plus per person or per month, then you have to excel at both having and excellent, excellent skills at executing the service that you're doing, but you also have to have an excellent client and lead experience. So let's kind of talk about it. For now, by the way, when I'm referring to service, I really do just mean the client and lead experience. I'm going to assume you're great at what you do. So remember, before you get the client, you have to not only attract the lead, but you also have to make a good impression on them from the very first interaction all the way through the end of them doing business with you. So, so many of you work really hard to attract people to get them to buy. We work our asses off to get people to buy from us, but then when they buy, the service is just meh. It's like, you know, like the guy that you go on a date with and they're on their best behavior for like the first four, five dates and then their representative leaves and you're left with like someone who you don't even really like. And that's how I feel like a lot of business owners are, that it's the guy, we're we're the business owners who's the guy courting, you know, doing such a great job, showing up on time, giving us compliments, showing up with flowers, opening car doors. And then the second we really get in a relationship or really dive into a deeper, you know, understanding of who they are, it's just who is this person? You don't want to be that company. So let's first talk about the lead experience. When I talk about lead experience, I mean, from the initial contact, whether they're talking to you on social media, if they're engaging with you there, if they're DM'd you, if they filled out your contact form, your application, that entire experience needs to have the red carpet all really ready rolling out with personality, personalization. I'm talking videos, welcome videos, application with clear directions, making it exactly clear of who you're targeting and what it is that you're going to do. All the clarity and all the personalization is going to go really far here. And then the second part of the lead experience is the nurturing, whether you have a pre-booking funnel. And by pre-booking funnel, I mean someone, you know, fills out your application or, you know, submits your inquiry form. There should be an email series that goes out to them that either one captures a benchmark assessment where they can really see if They're compatible for what it is that you're offering or a sales preparation nurture email sequence, which gives like a company overview in one email. Then the next email would be details about the offer and then a final email that gives them like some helpful tips that leads them to the sale before you've even gotten into that conversation. Because remember, I'm talking about the branding things that you're doing, all the activities that you're doing to help make that sale and to shape the perception of your brand before you've even had to get into a sales conversation. All of these things that I'm talking about right now, is going to help that sale be 90% of the way done before you even talk to these people on the phone, before you've even spent, you know, 30, 45 minutes in a DM conversation. So the third part of the lead experience is really the sales conversation. And I'm talking whether it's in the DMs or via a call, you know, Wherever you decide to have that, that conversation, this is where they're going to decide if the offer is really compatible with their needs. I don't even call my sales conversations sales conversations because, again, I told you, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm an excellent salesperson. I'm an excellent person at listening and having a conversation and assessing compatibility. And I want you to be too. And an easy way to make sure you're taking care of that is through the sales conversation, really actively listening to what it is that they're saying they're struggling with and seeing if your offer actually and your offer's promise aligns with the problems that they're having in their business or in their life. And then the third part of the lead experience, which means this is before they've even paid you, is the conversion. You need to, at the end of the day, at the end of that sales conversation, secure a yes or no decision. So that leads us into the client experience. So if they give you the yes decision, now you have to make sure that you're taking care of the client experience. I'm talking about onboarding the service and offboarding. So when I talk about onboarding, I mean, like, is there a welcome email? Are you giving them a welcome guide? Do you have intake form so you can collect all the information you need to better help them throughout the, the service? How are you telling them how communication is open? How can how can they book their calls with you? All of these things should be a part of your onboarding experience. The next part of the client experience is the actual service, whether it's coaching calls, your VIP day, the design work that you're doing. You should be executing this to the highest of quality and also, which we're going to get to quality in a minute, but also you need to make sure that everything that's happening is very clear without them having to come to you and ask questions. This is why there's a process. The more questions they have to ask you and get clarity about things that you should have already made clear through your communication, the worse the experience. But the better you take care of them along the way, hold their hands, make sure that you're assuring them that the investment that they just made into your very high ticket cost offer is going to take care of their needs and you help them understand what's coming along the way, the better the client experience and then the last part of the service area is offboarding. Okay. So they did the service with you. You onboarded them. They, you know, they successfully gone through your service. Now you have to offboard them. Give them those deliverables that you promised. Invite them to continue doing business with you. If you have an upsell to the next level of your package or the next, you know, tier of your offer. Secure a survey. Ask them how they how you did. Make sure you know what's the best parts of the thing that you've already done and, and what are some things that you need to improve upon. You should always be willing to collect feedback from the people that you're doing business with because you really do need to understand how you can make improvements and what you need to do more of because they loved it. And then lastly, that's how you get the testimonials and recommendations. You need to make sure that everyone that you're doing business with you, hopefully they had a great experience. You should be collecting those testimonials because that social proof is actually going to be the easiest way to sell your service to the next person. All right, so we're down to the fourth thing that you need to have in order to be easily charging your premium pricing by having premium branding. And this is quality. So for a service-based business, the quality is really in the delivery. Do you have a standard framework that you're following so that it's clear and you have standard steps that you're following so that they know what's going to happen to them? They can see the trajectory of how they're getting from point A of being confused and needing your help to point B of you actually solving the problem. That framework needs to be in place. The next part of your, your delivery is making sure that they actually learn if you're teaching and they're able to apply what you've given them. In some cases, if you're a coach, they're learning and applying what you're teaching them. But a lot of time that's a service-based entrepreneur. You might be doing the service for them. They should be able to utilize whatever you've given them on their own, right? Without you being there. The third part of the delivery is really delivering everything you promise. When it comes to quality, the higher the quality of your offer is kind of rated on the fact that you've actually delivered everything you promised. We never want to over-promise and under-deliver. But it's fine to under promise and over delivering. You see the difference there? People are going to talk the most and the best about you when they just figured they were going to just get some things that you listed on your sales page and then they get even more. That underpromising and over delivering is always going to show people that you are of the highest quality, especially with a premium service. But when you're over promising saying that they're going to make $100,000 by working with you for 5 days and you're going they're going to gain a million followers and get the verified check mark on Instagram if they just do you know your technique over the next 2 days that's over-promising and you're definitely going to underdeliver. deliver So you don't want to do that because that kills the quality of your offer. The next thing is you should be getting results. <laughs> we are in the service industry, meaning we have promises that we're making to secure business. I'm not saying guarantees. There's a difference between a program promise, a service promise, and a guarantee. We're not guaranteeing results. We can't read the future, but what we can do is ensure that we're doing everything in our service to help them get the results that we're telling them that they can achieve through. Following Following our expertise through trusting us with our offer, trusting to be in our coaching program. And then finally, the transformation achieved. So we're telling them they can get results. What's the transformation? When I say results, those could be monetary results, but some of the best results are transformative, right? The people who gained more confidence and clarity in their business, these are still important results that are often overlooked because they're not as sexy as you hit a 10K month. Well, yeah, I had a 10K month, but you know what else I did? All of my systems are in place. Now I can do this service repeatedly and I never have to think again. You know, now I have so much clarity on what it is that I want to offer that I created the perfect new program, something I didn't think I could ever do. Those are results and transformations that people really do care about. As a service provider, your quality isn't just measured on the outcome, it's measured on the value and transformation that your service actually provides. So, I want to talk, you know, I, I like to give my little examples and my metaphors and all the things. So, let's talk about two luxury brands. So, there's Michael Kors, and then there's Hermes. Those are the two brands we're going to talk about. So, when you think about Michael Kors, you can really get Michael Kors everywhere, right? You can get it at TJ Maxx, you can get their stuff from the mall, the airport, their website, Amazon, like literally everywhere. If they run out of your size in your local mall, you can actually drive 15 or 20 minutes away to the next mall and then they'll have it there. If there was a fast fashion of the luxury world, then brands like Michael Kors would sit there along with Polo Ralph Lauren and all of the other ones that are still luxury brands, but you can find them everywhere. And then there's brands like Hermes. So the good thing, so, you know, I talked about the former CEO, Mr. Dumas. He said, he's quoted as saying, we don't have a policy of image. We have a policy of product, which is true. Very, very true about this business. They are known. They're infamously known actually for burning imperfect Birkins. I don't know if you guys know about the Birkin bag, but this bag can be, you know, can run like $10,000 to $300,000 for a bag, a, a purse, essentially. They will burn the ones that are imperfect because they really do care about the finest quality of their goods. And that's something, something to really think about. I always talk about When it comes to quality, it needs to be something that you would stake your entire business on. So, what would you go unpaid for? If you could promise just one thing in your business offer, whatever offer that you have, what would you do for free until the person achieved that measure, that transformation, that goal? Whatever that thing is, needs to be the thing that you're making sure is of the highest quality. And when it comes to a company like Hermes, they're making sure that their name, their, the highest quality is in the scarcity of their products and in the quality of their products. They actually have a mandatory two year training for craftsmen who actually make the bags and all the leather goods that they have. So before you can even get a job there, you have to go through a two year training. I mean, talk about commitment before you can even start putting together any of their leather products. But because of this process that they've committed to of the highest quality, this actually slows down production time. But the good thing is their philosophy has always been to maintain that scarcity and exclusivity. Now, remember when I talked earlier about your brand and how people think about your brand and the unique value proposition? It's very unique that you can't just go anywhere and get the same scarf with, you know, with Hermes. And then once those scarves with, you know, certain editions of the scarves are out, it's just gone. That exclusivity and limited edition makes them a very, very, very special brand that people will pay top dollar for, which is why they can command prices of $10,000 to $300,000. You have to think of your business the same way. If they can get your service anywhere, the same level, the same quality, you're doing the exact same stuff, your framework is exactly the same as your competitors, then what they're going to do is price shop. You're going to be seen as a commodity. You don't want to be the commodity of your industry. You don't want to be like the cable companies that I, you know, I will price hop for a cable company as long as you have the channels that I want. I don't really care whoever's the cheapest, right? You don't wanna be the commodity of the service industry. And the fifth and final thing that really determines if your business is considered a premium business or high ticket is the price. So many business owners wanna charge based solely on the hours work, but let's talk about why that may or may not be, which I'm gonna say is not, may not be the best way to charge depending on your industry. A veteran graphic designer that spent four years in undergrad getting a BFA degree in graphic design and one and a half years getting their master's in fine arts and visual communications and has been working in the field for 10 years, they won't take more than like three hours to design a logo, right? If that. But if they only charged $100 an hour, they'd still just only make $300. Now that same logo design for a junior designer with an associate's degree in graphic design and only two years of design experience will take about eight hours to finish that. So even if... They are designing that logo at $60 an hour. For those eight hours, they still make $480 for the same logo. And we already know the quality, the creativity, and the composition of the logo from that senior designer. is going to be far superior than that of a junior designer. So when you start thinking about pricing, let's stop, first of all, just basing our entire pricing model off of the hours worked. Because that doesn't make any sense. The better you are, the more you're penalized for your skill. And that's not something that we want to have in our business. In fact, the more skill, the more experience you have, the better you should be charging, right? The higher you should be charging. So, and I know that there are industries where skill begets efficiency, which punishes the experience. I'm already saying that. But there are, of course, industries where the time and the skills really have nothing to do with the pricing. So I know that lawyers charge, you know, by the hour, but it's because they're still doing research. They're not suddenly more skilled at doing research. You know, they all have to do that same level of research. So the amount of time that they're spending is pretty standard. They all have to go to court. They all have to process paperwork. But when it comes to your skill level for what it is that we're doing, this is an unregulated industry and we all have unique approaches. So you cannot charge based on just the amount of time that you're spending doing the thing, right? But when it comes to pricing, your potential clients will actually pay anything if they believe that the benefit of what you're helping them to achieve, the, the outcome, is going to outweigh the cost. So the higher the price point, the more value that someone assumes there will be if they, you know, if they get that product or service. And this is a proven fact. If I see a car that is $100,000 and i looking at another car that's worth $5,000, I'm going to assume that that car that's $5,000 doesn't have anything. And if I really want to aspire to something, I don't aspire to have that $5,000 vehicle. I aspire to get that $100,000 vehicle because I know that that thing probably flies. It's the fastest thing out there. I know it has all the bells and whistles, the best sound system, heated seats, heated steering wheels, seats that cool down. Like I know that all that's in there. It's the same thing with your service business. The higher the cost, the more people are actually expecting that transformation. They're expecting the value to be there because their perceived value is what's important. If I could put a formula to it, I would say the customer's expected benefit minus their perceived cost of how much that thing probably should be costing equals their perceived value. And the higher their perceived value, the more likely it is that they're going to pay for what it is that you're offering. In order for someone to really care and want to believe in paying a higher price, the benefit needs to outweigh the cost, meaning you're saving them something. There needs to be high value. People value their time if you're saving them time, if you're saving them money, or if it's going to get them a big transformation. If one of those three things are present or, whoa, if all three of them are present, like with a VIP day or something like that, if all three of those things are present, they will pay the cost to play, right? Right. And that's what you have to remember. So many of you are so afraid to increase your prices, which is another conversation for another day. But when it comes to your branding, your price really does affect how people look at the quality of your brand. So when you think you're doing a great job to attract more people by charging a lower price point, what you're actually doing is cheapening how people see your brand. I don't believe I'm going to get a big transformation in a coaching program if it only costs $200 a session or a month, right? But I do believe that I'm going to probably get a big transformation if I join a $10,000 program. And this is what you have to remember when it comes to your business. So the, to recap, the five things that really determine whether or not a brand is considered upscale or premium priced, and how people perceive the, the level of that business is based on these five factors, your, your unique value proposition, the design, the service, the quality, and the price. I know this was a heavy episode. I had to come out the gates with something really heavy because this is how I'm going to shape the entire podcast. For the rest of the season, I am going to be diving deeper into a lot of these concepts of what it takes to you know, price out your services, how to decide if you want to have a premium business model or a low ticket business model and how I chose the current business model that I have, which is only premium pricing. I, I even moved up from high ticket. I know this was a very heavy topic, which is why I'm doing a free three-day workshop called Coin Collecting Boss, where I'll actually cover a lot of the things that we talked about today in detail and actually give you actionable things that you can do and implement in your business today so that you can start easily selling your high-ticket services. If you're interested in joining us for that three-day workshop, you can sign up at coincollectingboss.com. We start on the 29th and I am super excited to dive into everything. If you love this episode as much as I have, then subscribe to the Revolutionary CEO podcast on iTunes and leave me a review to let me know what you enjoyed the most for premium pricing and branding tips and training. Connect with me on Instagram. I'm at Atelier Leticia. That's A-T-E-L-I-E-R-L-A-T-E-S-H-A. And be sure to follow the podcast Instagram account at Revolutionary CEO to show my guests and me some love. Talk to you next week.